Hello, and welcome to another episode of Credit Eco to Go, curbside thought leadership for financial services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at the law firm Clark Hill PLC, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice group. Today on our podcast, we are talking to Alan Beckett, who is the managing partner of Beckett and Lee LLP, a law firm that specializes in the legal and administrative management of bankrupt accounts. Alan is the immediate past president of the American Bankruptcy Institute, ABI, and a fellow of the American College of Bankruptcy. Alan is the, the leading expert on creditors' rights and consumer bankruptcy. I am also grateful to say that I have known Alan for well over 20 years and consider her a very dear friend. Alan, I think when I met you, neither of us had kids. No, we did not. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't even thinking about them. No, we were not. So uh, it has been a wonderful journey to know you, Alan. And uh, just, you know, it's Alan equals bankruptcy. That's the only way I can possibly describe you. If there is a bankruptcy question, anything having to do, and it's been like that for decades. I mean, you have been on top of what is important in the bankruptcy process for, for literally decades. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I only ever, I've only ever done consumer bankruptcy work after a very brief career in collections. Yeah. So the majority of my career has been in consumer bankruptcy. Well, you've done it. You've done it well. Thank so you. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Um, let, let me set a table a little bit, and, and I want to get some perspective from you as well. So given the pandemic uh, and the economy taking a significant downturn, there has been a lot of focus on bankruptcy. Recently, there was an amendment to the bankruptcy code um, which provided a new subchapter for chapter 11. I'm really, I didn't know anything about that till a couple weeks ago. So I'm really curious to hear what it is and why it's important. Yeah, so this uh, law was signed by the president last August and it became effective in February. And it is a new subchapter of chapter 11. And so if you know anything about bankruptcy, of course, chapter 11 is typically for companies but it's also for um, uh, individuals, typically high um, net worth individuals uh, with a lot of debt. So if, you're, if you don't have a lot of debt or uh, you're not a company, you would typically file under Chapter 7 or Chapter 13. Um, this has been in the works for many, many years. Um, three bills were passed on the same day Um, And this one is probably going to have the most, the greatest impact um, on the bankruptcy process, especially now during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, as I said, it's been in the works for many years and the American uh, Bankruptcy Institute had a commission that studied chapter 11 several years ago. And this is one of their biggest proposals was that small businesses needed a better process for reorganizing than chapter 11 afforded them. And so this subchapter five is specifically geared towards smaller businesses who can't file chapter 13 because they're not individuals and really don't fit well uh, with the process that is currently chapter 11. It, and it seems to me, it, it, you know, it, boy, talk about foresight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It seems to me that uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. And uh, 
kudos to the ABI for looking at this and understanding there was such a void in the code to address this. But, you know, when I think of chapter 11s, I think of, you know, uh, large corporations. And now you see JCPenney and J. Crew that are filing these chapter 11s. And typically chapter 11s are very expensive. They are expensive. And that's part of the problem for small businesses. Um, I, I will step back just a second to mm -hmm. say, when you talk about this being very fortuitous, um, the small business chapter originally as enacted was for organizations with less than $2,725,000 of debt. The CARES Act, however, uh, provided a temporary increase to that. So now small businesses or businesses with less than $7,500,000 of debt can file under the small business subchapter five. They don't have to, it's an election. A debtor can elect to be in a subchapter five case as opposed to a regular 11, but when you hear Joanne about uh, Hertz, um, yes. Year One, yes. J.C. Penney, Macy's filing uh, Chapter Eleven, uh, an organization like that needs a big, organized, structured process, and you can't just propose a plan, get it confirmed, and everything's going to be hunky dory, and uh, everybody's going to get paid and go home. These are companies with. Um, with a lot of liability, a lot of debt, and, and it takes years to work out a chapter 11. In these cases, as you know, some of these have dragged on for years and years. A small business would drown under those kinds of restrictions. They would be out of business before they ever got a chance to get a plan confirmed. There are fees involved, quarterly fees that you have to pay to the United States trustee. There are creditors committees who get funded from the assets of the estate. Um, there are very costly disclosure requirements um, that really delve into the history of the business and the, the business plan for the future. And all of that was just very expensive and time consuming and small businesses just could not function. They didn't have the capital and they didn't have the, uh, the ongoing business to be able to fund a chapter 11. And, and frankly, a lot of small businesses went into Chapter 11 knowing that they were going to fail. And it was just merely a delay of the liquidating process for them. So this is really uh, was something that was um, needed before the pandemic. And now you can only imagine uh, how important this is going to be for small businesses who are going to try and stay afloat. Uh, under these circumstances. It's, it's amazing. Tell, can you tell us a little bit of what, what is that chapter, subchapter five process going to look like as compared to what you just described in a chapter 11? Sure. Um, so subchapter five has much faster timelines uh, for confirming plans. So if you're, if you're going into a, a subchapter five, you're going to have a plan in a few months. Um, the disclosure requirements, uh, the formally in the chapter 11 called a disclosure statement, which can be 50, 100 or 150 pages, is merely just needs to be an outline of kind of where the business is proposing to go. Um, so that's, that's helpful to get a plan through the process and confirm so the debtor can start effectuating the plan. Um, the other problem with chapter 11s is that owners of businesses in chapter 11 can have a hard time retaining ownership of the business just because of how the process works. And that has been 
altered somewhat for the subchapter five um, debtors because it's now easier for the owner of the business to continue owning the business and continue operating the business. And after all, a small business owner does not want someone unfamiliar with their mom and pop shop coming in and trying to run their business, which is kind of what can happen in an 11 where, where management is replaced or if you think about a big company, they might restructure the company. Small businesses don't need that. They need, they need to be able to continue the operation because after all, they, they're the people who built the business and they're the people who can keep it going. But what is available to these debtors is a trustee, not the United States trustee who is in charge of chapter 11 cases, but a trustee who is more specialized and tailored to assist the debtor uh, financially. When I say that, I mean with finances and, and financial statements and a business plan and to help and advise and assist the debtor through the bankruptcy process, which is not currently what happens in chapter 11. And it's really not what a chapter 13 trustee does. So it's a new kind of trustee um, whose job is not to oversee the process, but really to, to work with the debtor getting this small business through the process. So we'll, you know, in chapter seven trust, uh, chapter seven matters, there are appointed trustees. Are they going to, is, are they going to be the ones who are going to oversee the subchapter five, or is there going to be a new crop of trustees who are well, going to raise their hand and say, I want to do this? <laughs> yeah, but both. And I, I would suspect that this is a probably a pretty good job to try and get right now because right. of the, the, the volume that they're going to have. Right. Um, but yeah, some panel trustees that are seven trustees have applied to become trustees. Um, some chapter 13 trustees, I think, maybe have applied maybe in smaller jurisdictions to do this. Yeah, so it's a whole new uh, trusteeship that's being created and, and operated under the United States Trustees Office. Interesting. Do you know if any uh, subchapter five petitions have been filed to date? Oh, they, they, mo they, they most certainly have. Um, we have been starting to see them coming in and also some debtors who are currently in chapter 11 who are eligible for subchapter five have been attempting to convert to subchapter five. Interesting. And so, yes, and what we're gonna see because the CARES Act temporarily raised the limit to about two and a half times what it currently is, a lot more businesses are gonna be eligible for this. So yes, you are going to see, uh, we've actually seen quite an uptick uh, in chapter 11s generally and chapter and subchapter five cases for sure. Do you have an idea? You said that the time frame would be shorter. I know chapter 11s can take years. Is there any idea of, you know, what the, from beginning to end, what a, a subchapter five, how long it would take? Sure. To get sure. Uh, well, the confirmation should be in about 90 days, I think. Wow. Uh, that's fast. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's sort of the goal. Um, those could be continued, um, which happens from time to time, but more like a chapter 13, um, if you know how that works, the debtor pays the debtor's disposable income for a period of three to five years to the trustee to make payments. And that's the same time frame uh, for a subchapter five case. So the timeline will be somewhat like a 13 uh, as opposed to, and the debtor will get the discharge at the completion of the plan payments. Right. Unlike in a chapter 11, uh, where you sort of get a discharge of confirmation and then it, it kind of goes into the into cyberspace as to what happens next. Right. Um, 
with the debtor completing the plan, this debtor's not going to get a discharge until the plan payments are, are completed. So it's more like a 13 in that respect. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, it's, it's really going to be fascinating. Do you have any idea whether PPP loans or EIDL loans will, you know, be a part of these type of uh, petitions? I'm sure they'll be included. Well, that's a very interesting question. We've been tossing that around a little bit. We haven't seen that come through the pipeline yet. Yeah. Um, what's, what's interesting though, is that the SBA's regulations on the PPP loans prohibited debtors in bankruptcy from getting them. Right. Right. And so that is actually being litigated because how that got into the SBA application form and the regulations is not really, we think it might be an artifact of older SBA rules, but the CARES Act itself did not require a debtor to be not, not in a bankruptcy in order to get the PPP funds. And so we started to see uh, cases coming out right away uh, of a debtor suing the government to be allowed to take a, a PPP loan. And the, the cases have actually come down both ways. Hmm. Um, and in, in one case, very interestingly, the, the judge um, issued a temporary restraining order uh, prohibiting the SBA or prohibiting the bank from denying a loan. So basically allowing a bankrupt debtor to get a loan. And then he reversed himself after the TRO was finally decided. So very up in the air. Um, yeah, clearly. Hopefully that will get sorted out, but certainly debtors with PPP loans will, will be filing bankruptcy. And these are, you know, after all, unsecured loans. Yes, they are. Be treated yes, they with are. the rest of the unsecured loans. There's no indication that they're going to receive any special treatment. That is correct. Let's jump to consumer bankruptcies. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, there was a recent American Banker article where somebody said, oh, there's going to be a lot of consumer bankruptcies. And I remember I said it to you and you went, duh. Yeah, I did say duh because sure. <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was, that a was really, nothing to write an article about. But. Right, exactly. But, you know, clearly it's, there's been a lot of talk that we're going to see a lot of increases in consumer bankruptcy, especially right now with a 13% unemployment rate. What, what do you, do you, do you see that? Do you see maybe it'll be a little bit different and you know, what is the next, what's the end of the year in 2021 uh, going to look like? Well, I'll tell you here at our firm, we are preparing um, for a big increase in consumer bankruptcies. And whereas it, it might sound counterintuitive that nobody's filing bankruptcy in, at the moment, nobody's filing bankruptcy at the moment. Um, consumer bankruptcies are down close to 50% from this time last year. And, you know, it, it doesn't take, um, you just really need to think that through. Why is that? Well, creditors aren't collecting. Correct. Mortgage companies aren't evicting. Renters, you know, landlords aren't evicting. Um, people are getting stimulus money. People are getting unemployment plus $600 a week if they're on unemployment. Um, and so people are holding off on filing bankruptcy because at the moment they don't need to. Um, but when the restrictions on uh, foreclosures and rent abatement and rental increases start, and when creditors start collections up again, that's when it's going to hit. Right. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be the first one to dip their toe into that 
you know, into that pool. But once I believe one creditor, quote unquote, starts up again, I suspect others will as well. So when that happens, the bankruptcies will start. So I, I agree. And I think, yeah. it, you know, at this point, I think banks are, um, it's been almost 90 days since it's been past 90 days since this COVID crisis started. And we all forget there's a little something called safety and soundness. And um, we, there's kind of been a mandate to ignore that with all this, you know, right. stopping in place. But the engines of the economy are going to have to start going again. And when the safety and soundness issue starts becoming evident, uh, you'll start to see it. But yeah, it, it, I think there's bets going on as to who's going to be the first creditor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just waiting for the other guy to start. And then right. Exactly, exactly. I think what'll be interesting from, from my perspective, at least, is what are the bankruptcies going to look like? Are there going to be similar balances between 13 and seven as there are now? Right. Are there going to be more 13s because people are trying to save their homes and their cars? Um, are there going to be more sevens because people are simply going to be unable to do that and they know they're not going to be able to save, save these secured uh, obligations and they're going to go into seven. So that will be, an, well, sad, but interesting yeah. dynamic yeah. to see how that works. It is going to be. It is. Yeah. Be. Well, Alan, such an informative discussion. Thank you so much. I knew I would, I would learn a lot from you and I certainly did. Um, before I let you go, there's a couple things we do at Credit Eco to go uh, asking our guests. And uh, one of them is, uh, because this is a to-go theme, um, ask about your takeout experience while you've been sheltering in place. Do you have a, do you have a, a good- I, I do. I, we hadn't really done that much takeout. I have three kids. We were cooking at home. And I did have to go out one day and I was driving down the street and my favorite Vietnamese restaurant called Bamboo is uh, in Fraser, Pennsylvania, was on my way home. And I thought, oh man, I haven't had Bamboo for so long. And I called them up and, and they were open and I, was, I had no idea what to expect, but be, I pulled up to the door and out runs this guy with my you know, receipt, my bag, and off I went. Uh, and I was delighted. Yeah, uh, and then about the two days later, my whole family ordered from there because we realized how much we miss going out to our favorite places. I miss it too. I really miss going out yeah. to dinner. But it's uh, thank God many of the restaurants have been creative to figure out ways uh, to do to go and curbside pickup. And it's uh, you know I give them all the credit in the world. They I do as well. Time. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, we also have a charity element here at Credit Eco to Go, um, and in consideration for your time, we'd like to make a, a small donation to either a local charity that helps support restaurant workers or a food bank. And can you tell us about the charity you have selected? Yeah, the Westchester Food Bank in Westchester, Pennsylvania is something I support every year and um, sort of near and dear to my heart. So I, I'm very grateful for that donation. Um, and I would like to, even though I'm in the bankruptcy business, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see you supporting, uh, supporting people who are really in need. And Joanne, it's been my pleasure to work with you on this and, and I wish you great success with it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners uh, for checking in another of our podcasts at Credit Eco to Go. For more information on this podcast and future podcasts, um, please log on to clarkhill.com forward slash people forward slash Joanne Needleman or on my LinkedIn page. Thank you very much. Be well and stay safe. This 
podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only, and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.